0: Would you open your Bibles, please, to Mark chapter 4. I want you to remember with me the journey that we have been walking on in this study. We've learned that we've become a disciple on the day that we're born again, and real change is seen within our lives. The truth has set us free. We've learned that discipleship is not an endless process, but rather must be understood as a door or a transition. We then began to study the twofold planting of world evangelism that That the way to understand world evangelism is not through the word discipleship, it's through the words planting. Everybody say planting. Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered. We said there's a two-fold planting. First, as Peter says, we are born again through the planting of the incorruptible seed of the word within our lives. And then after we are born again, we become disciples, then God takes us and plants us in his harvest field. Everybody say... The word is planted in me, and I am planted in God's harvest field. We then began to understand how to work with God in the ministry of planting. Being productive in planting requires that we are concerned about where we plant the seed. That otherwise it's just a wasted seed, the seed sown along the path. We said that to understand the word, which is what a person has to do before they can be saved, the word understand means to unite with the heart. And they cannot unite the word with their heart and be born again if if it is a path, if there is busyness going on within their lives. Everybody say, a busy heart. They have to be focused. They have to sit down and talk with you. You can't sit there and do it while they're selling chicken in the market. You have to deal with the strongholds of their minds. You have to deal with the veils of their minds, and we learned how to do this. Then we began to talk about a second principle of planting, and that is retaining a new believer. We learned that Jesus would never teach one saved, always saved. He said that people fall away quickly. He said that people believe for a short time. Everybody say, for a while. And then they quickly fall away. So we said, listen, why did these people do that? And it's because of trouble or persecution because of the word. But we learned that the root cause of it was there were no roots. Everybody said, no roots. And so part of keeping a new believer following Jesus and growing in God it is to help them put down spiritual roots, and we learned how to do that. Now we're talking about an older Christian. We're talking about the weeds in life. Mark chapter 4, Mark 4, beginning with verse 19. But all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, by the lure of wealth, and by the desire of other things, so that no fruit is produced. Everybody say no fruit. And I showed you the illustration of weeds. I showed you the illustration of kudzu. Everybody say kudzu. K-U-D-Z-U. You can look it up on Google. It's called the weed that ate the south because it literally covers the southern United States. This is what it does to a forest. It climbs over the top of all the trees. It doesn't kill the trees. But if it's a pecan orchard, it's not going to produce very good pecans, all right? It it just covers over everything. You walk out into the fields and you see it covers cars. Here's a picture of it covering cars. You see it covers houses. Now, one of the things you have to understand about kudzu is it grows one foot a day. Everybody say, 12 inches a day. That means every three days it grows a meter. So it just covers over everything, and it chokes out everything. It doesn't kill everything, but nothing can really grow and be prosperous. It just chokes out everything. Now we said the first one of these weeds that makes the word of God unfruitful in our life is the cares of life. It doesn't cause a Christian to backslide. We, we don't turn away from God. We don't walk away from our salvation. But the word is unfruitful. We stop growing. We stop the spiritual growth stops in our life. Faith stops developing in our lives. We, we don't see answered prayer in our life. We don't see miracles in our lives anymore. It's just like the word of God is it's working within us, but it's not fruitful, it's not productive because of the weed called the cares of life we said the second care of life is the the deceitfulness of riches and we spent an entire study on that we said again the deceitfulness of riches doesn't destroy your salvation but it chokes the word everybody say chokes the word and again you stop your spiritual growth and development Your faith isn't growing. You're not seeing answers to prayer. You're not seeing miracles anymore. You're not out getting people born again. These weeds of the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches has choked out the word. Now, the third of these weeds is what we're going to focus on today. The desire for other things. Look again at Mark 4 verse 19. But all too quickly, the message, the word, is crowded out. By the worries of life, New Living Translation, the lure of wealth and the desire for other things so no fruit is produced. English Standard Version. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Spiritual growth just stops in our life. We're not getting people saved anymore. We're not helping people anymore. We're not feeding the poor anymore. Our, our spiritual life just kind of stagnates. We're still saved. The word of God is still within our hearts. We're still holding the word of God in our hearts. But there's not much happening in our life. And this is the story of a lot of Christians. say, well, all right, Pastor. How do we deal with this weed of the desire for other things. Well, first, we have to understand it. I want, you to, to understand all, I want you to understand it, but I don't want you to overreact. There are many people who say, well, you know, as a Christian, you should never have any desires. That's not true. Every living creature has desires. Psalms 145, verse 16. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing cockroaches have desires birds have desires termites have desires human beings have desires and God opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing it is not a sin to have desires everybody say it's not a sin normal desires are not something that you and I should look at as it's an evil thing or it's a bad thing. Normal desires do not choke the word out of your life. It is the desire for other things. Everybody say, other things. God satisfies the desire of every living thing. God creates desires within us. Philippians 2, verse 13, English Standard Version. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. New Living Translation. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power or ability to do what pleases Him. God creates a desire within you to sing. God creates a desire within you to evangelize. God creates desires within you to to worship. God creates desires within you to pray. You, You cannot look at desires as an evil thing. Now, the reason I belabor this is when I was a young baby Christian, how many times did I hear the preachers say, you should never have any desires. You should just be content with what you have and never have any desires. You should be content with who you are, what you are, and what you have, and never have any desires. And I thought, but wait a minute. How will I ever change? How will I ever do anything? Well, you know, God will, the very thing that you don't want to do is the thing that God will make you do. And I remember hearing those sermons as a young baby Christian. And I'm so thankful that that is not what God is like. God creates desires within you. Everybody say, God creates desires. There was a time in my life that I was determined to be single for Jesus. I thought girls were nothing but a hindrance for anybody who wanted to be zealous and serve God. Sister Bev was also determined to be single for Jesus because she thought boys were nothing but a hindrance for any woman that wanted to be zealous and serve God. And then one day we met each other. What can I say? God created a desire for his will within our hearts, God didn't make us get married. God created a desire within us. We wanted to get married. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Eat this burger, come on. You, you, you have to get over this idea that all desires are evil. Every living creature has desires. God creates desires within us. God asks people what they want. John chapter 5, verse 6. Jesus saw him lying there and knew he'd been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? You know, some people don't want to. Do you want to be healed? To the blind men in Mark chapter 10 verses 50 to 51, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? What is the desire of your heart? What do you want? But be- Beloved, you're going to have to understand, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He looks at you and says, what do you want? Everybody say, what do I want? What? What do you, you want? What are the desires of your heart? And then he grants those desires. Psalms chapter 20, verse 4. May he grant your heart's desires and make all your plans succeed. I love that. What a prayer. May he, Everybody say, may he grant my heart's desires and make all my plans succeed. What a great prayer. Psalms 20, verse 4. Psalms 37 verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So again, we are confronted with the reality that we cannot look around and think that all desires are evil. Now, that in mind, the fulfillment of these desires, when God grants those desires, it does something to us. Proverbs 13, verse 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, everybody focuses on that. But look at the rest of the verse. But a desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Everybody say, a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. The encouragement, the flow of life. Have you ever seen people, when they get a desire of their heart, have you ever seen people when they get their dream house and how they smile and how they can hardly sleep that night, their first night in their dream house because look at what God has done. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Put your hands up high. There is something that flows. It's, it's a tree of life. The fulfillment of a desire. So please when I teach you about the desire of other things. Don't go out of here and begin to think that it is wrong to have desires. God creates desires within us. And then God gives those desires to you. And then those desires are such an encouragement to you. They're like a tree of life flowing to you. Now that said, we also have to understand that desires must be controlled. Everybody say, controlled. Now notice, it talks about the desire for other things. Mark chapter 4, verse 19. Now the word here for desire is a very strong word. It means to lust. A craving, passionate desire. It's beyond a normal desire. It's a controlling desire. It's a what? Everybody say controlling desire. It is a passionate lust that has gotten a hold of you and it begins to consume you. It is a controlling desire. It is a passionate lust that gets a hold of you for other things. For what? For what? You're never happy with what you have. You're never content with what you have. If you get a new pair of shoes, you want another one. If you get a new pair of pants, you want another one. If you get a new dress, you want another one. If you get a watch, you want another one. If you get a house, you want another one. You're never happy with what you have. There's this thing eating within you. You always want something that you don't have. You have no contentment in life. So your life... It's like on a treadmill. It's it's like on one of those little wheels that a hamster gets on and just runs round and round and round and round and round. You're, You're never happy. Your heart is controlled. Everybody say, my heart is controlled. You always want something more. And once this thing gets a hold of you, yes, you're still a Christian. Yes, you're still saved. But now the Word of God is getting crowded out. You don't have time for the Word to work within you. You're always thinking about, how do I get that? How do I get this? How do I get that? And beloved, please forgive me, but it often happens as you begin to rise out of poverty into the middle class. You begin to taste a little bit of good things. And you're not happy with just a little bit. You've come out of poverty, and now you've got a little bit. And you want more. And you want more. Everybody say, want more. Want more. Want more. I didn't hear you. Say it again. You're you're never happy. You always want something more. Now, please, you have to understand there is a big difference between normal desires of your heart and always having this lust for other things everybody say never have enough say it again please ecclesiastes 5 verse 10 says it this way he who loves money will never be satisfied with money nor he who loves wealth with his income you always want more 1st timothy chapter 6 verse 9 But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare and into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Now notice that. Once this desire for other things gets gets into our heart, now all of a sudden we are pushed into many senseless, harmful desires. Everybody say, senseless desires. I didn't hear you. Desires that make no sense. Senseless desires. Why do you want that? I just want it. But why? Where is the logic in that? I just want it. Okay, but why? Where is the logic in this? It is without logic. It is senseless. It is what? It is what? I looked at a guy one time. And he was always buying tennis shoes. Now, not the cheap ones from Divisoria the really expensive ones the i didn't know that you can pay 50,000 pesos for a tennis shoe and i said how many pairs of tennis shoes can you wear how many do you have 100 that's a delugang amelda i said how many can you are you collecting them investing in them to resell them no no i'm going to wear them all Where's the sense? Where's the what? Where's the what? Now, at some point, you have to ask yourself a question. Does this desire make sense? Or have I allowed the desire for other things to push me into a trap? Into a trap of senseless desires. Into a trap of harmful desires. You say, well, pastor, how can desires harm you? Look at some people's credit card. They're not prosperous. They're in debt. But they've always got to have, oh, I'm going to try this restaurant. And so they go eat there and put it on their credit card. Now I'm going to try this one. And then they go spend 5,000 pesos on dinner at that one. 5,000 pesos for dinner? Are you serious? How many people did you feed? An army? No, just me. And it cost five thousand. Oh yes, but it was very delicious. I looked them up on online. I saw their menu. It was the kind of a restaurant that after you ate, you wanted to go to Jollibee afterwards because you were still hungry. Very small portions. You know what I mean? Sometimes these expensive places. It looks beautiful, but there's not much to eat. But they kept writing, he kept running. He put 300,000 pesos in restaurant bills on his credit card, because he always wanted to try something else. Now that's a harmful desire. That's a "what? That, that's a "what? People will go out and they'll spend 50,000 U.S. dollars, not pesos, huh? 50,000 U.S. dollars for a purse. Why are we still here now at some point you have to ask yourself does this desire make sense if this desire does not make sense you've been trapped is this desire harmful if the answer is yes you've been trapped Desires have gotten out of control in your life. Everybody say, out of control. Say it again. And it will destroy a family. It will destroy the future finances of a family. Because desires for other things are just out of control. Sometimes it's children. I read an interesting quote on Facebook the other day. I just laughed and laughed and laughed. It said, You don't need branded clothes to impress your friends. You need money to take care of your family. I thought, yeah. Are we still here? Now, at some point, you have to recognize it might be a young person who has to have the latest whatever. At some point, we have to back up in our life and ask ourselves the question, does this desire make sense. I had a friend one time he bought a new car every three months. Well he wasn't a friend, an acquaintance. He bought a new car every three months. Every three months. He had six cars and he bragged I have a half a million US dollars worth of cars in my garage. And I looked at him and I said, Hmm, how much do you owe on those cars? You know, he owed more than they were worth because as soon as you drive a car out of the dealership, it drops in value, Diva. He owed more than they were worth. That is a senseless, harmful desire that is out of control. I I can't hear you. Now, take it a little farther. When these things have gotten out of control in our hearts, it's very easy to recognize, if we'll be honest with ourselves, because they have replaced God as our number one desire. Isaiah 26, verse 8. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. New Living Translation. Our heart's desire is is to glorify your name. My heart's desire is to glorify your name. If when you look at your heart and the desire for other things has become so strong that you have to be honest with yourself and realize no longer is your controlling desire to glorify God. These other things are controlling your life. You say, well, all right, pastor, I get all that. What do I do? Number one, you need to guard yourself. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus said, take care, be careful, and be on your guard against all covetousness. Another translation says, be on your guard against all forms of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now folks, do you remember when we were young, how many of you can remember when you were young? And we had two pair of pants, one pair of shoes. As a guy, we might have three or four shirts, and that's it. We did not need a closet. We could share our closet with our whole family because we didn't have much. Were you happy? Yeah. Now you look at your closet, I mean, I look at my closet, please. I got new pants on today. I've had them for four years. I just got small enough to wear them. You know what I'm talking about. I've had this shirt for over four years. I just got small enough to wear it. First time I ever wore it. We've got a closet full of clothes for this weight and for that weight and for that weight. Are we still here? God has been good to us. But you've got to guard your heart against all forms of greed. Everybody say, guard my heart. Say it again. At some point you look around and go, man, I'm blessed. I don't need anything more. Everybody say, I'm blessed. Say it again. I've got pants for 220, I've got pants for 230, I've got pants for 240, I've got pants for 250, I've got pants for 260, I've got pants for 270. I'm back down to 240 now. I want to get rid of the other one so I don't get big again. At some point you've got to look at your life and go, I'm blessed. I don't need any more. I'm happy. You guard your heart against all forms of greed. Now, please forgive me, but people who have come out of poverty struggle with this. Because when you've lived without much, you don't ever want to give up. You want to keep more. Everybody say, hoarding. Say it again. Please, guard yourself against all forms of greed. Because all it does is bring destruction to your life. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9, continue that verse, but those who desire to get rich fall into temptation, a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. When these desire for other things get too strong in your life, it destroys your future. And if you don't believe that that happens, look at people who have destroyed their lives with their credit cards. They can't pay their house payments. They can't pay their credit cards. Their cars get foreclosed because they can't control their desires. They can't stay home and take their lunch to work with them. They've got to eat at some fancy restaurant every day. Are we still here? Boy, it's quiet in here today. Are you learning? Okay. You know, they, they, they can't control their desires. They've got to have the latest this and the latest that rather than pay off their debts. They've been plunged into harmful desires and then notice the end result that plunge people into ruin and destruction. So these desires need to be controlled. It not only destroys you, it destroys your household. Proverbs fifteen twenty seven: whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. Everybody say, pain for the whole family. And again, when your debts aren't paid, you can't say no to yourself and you keep running up credit card debt what happens the whole family is persecuted by the debt collectors on the phone deba the whole family is embarrassed by people going around talking to the neighbors trying to collect debts from you it brings trouble on the whole family we have to learn to get control of these desires in our relationships it changes your heart proverbs 28 verse 25 said A greedy man stirs up strife. Stirs up what? People who always have to have something more are the people who stir up strife. They stir up strife in families. They stir up strife in churches. They stir up strife in their offices. They stir up strife in their neighborhoods. People who cannot control these desires are the main originators of strife. So let's get control of it. And everybody said. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, when you have a desire, the first question is, is God creating this desire within me? Or does this come from someplace else? When you start to have a desire grow within you, to have a home for your family, a house and lot for your family, ask yourself, Is God creating this desire within me? Or is this coming from someplace else? You have a desire for some new clothes. Is God creating this desire within me? Is this something that is needed in my life? Do do I I need these things right now? Or, Or is this coming from someplace else? You have a desire for a new pair of shoes. Is this coming from a desire that God is creating within you? Or does this desire come from someplace else? So you always ask yourself the question, is God, God, are you creating this desire within me? Now, you say, well, where else will it come from, pastors? The world. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul said, you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you once walked following the course of this world, another translation says the ways of this world or the, how the world thinks, following the prince of the power of the air, that's the devil, the spirit who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now you have to understand that Satan is the god of this world. And Satan and the world creates desires within us. It's called advertising. It's called What? Have you ever went out and bought something because it came up on your computer screen? You need this. You never knew you needed that before. Are we still here? You know, you're, you're trying to buy something online, it's Shopee, and all of a sudden, here comes an advertisement. Oh, I need that. You never needed it before. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Come on, let's be real. Put your hand up. Okay. You're looking at Facebook, and here comes an advertisement. And you go, man, that's cool. I never thought, man, I'd like that. But you never knew you needed it before. Advertising is all about creating perceived need in your life. Everybody say, creating perceived need. <clears throat> influencers. People who are famous for being famous. Somebody was trying to define an influencer to me. And I said, well, why are they influential? Well, because they're an influencer. But what have they done that I should listen to them? Nothing. They're just an influencer. But what have they accomplished with their lives that I should be willing to listen to them? Are they smarter? Do they have a Ph.D.? Have they done some great thing? No, no, they're just influencers. You you get enough people online to follow you, and then you're an influencer, and people pay you to be an influencer. And that's a real job, pastor. I said, that's a what? You know, it's like what what is her name? Paris Hilton. I remember when the Paris Hilton thing came along and I said, "Why is she famous?" "Oh, she's famous for being famous." Well, because she says I should buy something, why should I buy it? Because some girl or some guy gets on TV or gets on Facebook and says, "This is what I should buy." Why should I buy it? Well, because they're an influencer. Doesn't mean they're smarter than me. Are we still here? Now, at some point, are you being led in your dress? Are you being led in your purchases? Are you being led in your desire by influencers who are paid to create desires within you? When I was a young boy, 12 years old, I started smoking. You know why I started smoking? I wanted to be like those cool dudes on TV. The cool dudes always, I I know smoking sounds weird today, but back in those days, back in the 60s, when I was young, the cool people smoked. And the cool people were, you know, in the cool cars and everything, and I was poor, and the cool people smoked, and I wanted to be one of those cool people. Folks, at some point you had to decide. I'm not going to live my life being influenced by other people. I'm not going to live my life having desires that other people want to create within me. I'm going to be happy with the desires that God creates within me. Are we still here? Are we still here? Now, now I know I'm stepping on toes today, but please forgive me. That's all right. We need to step on toes a little bit. Two great weed killers, and then with this I'll close. If you're going to kill the kudzu of the desire for other things, the first weed killer is contentment. Is what? Luke chapter 3, verse 14. John the Baptist said, be content with your wages. Philippians 4 verse 11, Paul said, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul told young Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Be happy with what you have. God will give you more. I didn't hear you. God will give you more. That is not a problem. But we have to learn to be content with what we have. Everybody say Just be content. Say it again. Be content with your home, and God will give you a bigger one. Be content with your car, and God will give you another one. Be content with your clothes, and God will give you more clothes. Learn to be content in life, not anxious for something else. Are we still here? Everybody say, learn to be content and not anxious. For something else. If you'll learn to be content, God will bless you with more. Your heavenly Father loves you. Your heavenly Father wants to bless you. Let Him take care of the blessing. You work on your heart so that the desire for other things does not control you. You get control of those desires and you say, Lord, I'm happy. Lift your hands before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm happy. Say it again. You know, you're happy with the furniture in your house. God will give you new furniture, but right now I'm happy with the furniture in my house. I like my chair. I had the same desk in my office that I inherited from Brother Morocco in 1980. I had that same desk all these years, and then one day when we put an office for Shasha at South Campus, she said, Dad, can I have your big desk? I like a big desk. I said, well, okay. But people are always laughing at me. Pastor, why do you keep the same desk? I like my desk. It works. It's got two small small drawers, then two more small drawers, then a nice center drawer, and then two big filing drawers. I like my big desk. It's made out of nari. You can't move it. But Pastor, you know, it's probably 60 or 70 years old. Yeah, but I like it. You learn to be... I have the same... People think I'm really Ilocano and I am. I have the same stapler that I bought in 1980. The same staple gun. I have fountain pens that were my father's and my grandfather's. That are Some of them are older than I am. But they write beautifully. You learn in life to be happy with what you have, and God will give you more. Are we still here? Are we still here? Take it a step farther. The first way you kill the desire for other things is contentment. The second way you kill the desire for other things is giving. Is what? Luke 12, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's your desire's. Your desires are part of your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You put your treasure into the kingdom. You put your treasure laid up in heaven. You put your treasure in the work of God. And it's amazing. You're just very happy. Your heart doesn't have all those desire for other things because you're not thinking, I need more money for this and I need more money for that. No, no, no. I I have money that I can be generous on every occasion. Learn to be a giver. Learn to be a what? Learn to be generous on every occasion. Learn to share with other people. Learn to bless other people. Are, Are we still here? Did you learn something today? Would you stand with me, please? Now, with all of that, now you know why I started with the positive. God will give you the desires of your heart. But let God create those desires within you. I want you just to lift your hands before the Lord. Just lift your hands before the Lord. Father, in Jesus' name I come to you. I don't want anything. The cares of life. The deceitfulness of riches. The lust for other things. To crowd out your word. In my heart. Your word is working within me. For spiritual growth. Spiritual growth. To grow, my faith, to grow my faith. To make me productive for the kingdom. Lord, let all the weeds in my heart be killed, be killed down, to their roots down to their roots in Jesus' name. Jesus name. That, my heart that my heart will be wide open, be wide and, open and, spacious and spacious for the word to grow in me. For the word to grow in me. In Jesus, name. in Jesus name and everybody said Amen. would you take your communion please I wish I could get every Christian to just get a hold of the truth God will bless you beyond anything you could ever ask or imagine you just keep your heart focused on him and not letting the world create desires within you. Amen. I, I, I didn't hear you. Amen. <laughs> Last week, or two weeks ago now, when we were in Dubai, we walked through this shopping mall, and there was a section of a shopping mall where I didn't see any prices on anything. And I told Sister Bev, we should leave. <laughs> I said, my father always told me in places like this, if you have to ask the price, you shouldn't be here. But I, I just sat there and I saw there's 1,200 stores in that Dubai mall. It has its own ways. Oh, you can, you can download it on, on the App Store, Dubai Mall. If you want to know how, how do I get to the Apple Store, you type in Apple Store on your phone. And it you say find, and it will show you how to get through the mall to get to the Apple Store, and how many minutes it will take to get there, just like Waze. The mall's that big, and I thought, I don't see anything I want. (laughs) One thousand two hundred stores. I'm sitting there going, (laughs) I walked into the Apple Store, and you know me, I like technology. I thought, I don't see anything I want. I'm happy. Now, God will give you more. Just learn to be content with what we have. Does that make sense? Don't don't feel the struggle to always have more. God will bless you with more. Just be content with what we have. Would you take the bread? Father, Father this, bread this bread represents the body of my Savior. You said in your word that you have graciously given me the Son. You have given and you will, also, along with him, you will also along with him graciously give me all things. I can trust you to provide for me. You already gave me your greatest gift. I remember what you've done for me. Let us partake of the bread together. We'll eat the nut in this cup. His cup represents, his represents his blood that washed away, that washed away all, my sin. all my sin. I'm clean, I'm, clean. I'm pure, I'm, pure. I'm, set free I'm set free by the blood of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus. I, remember I remember what he has done for me. Let us partake of the cup together. loves you. Look at the people around you and say, God loves you. And He will always provide for you. And everybody said,